But before I get up, we jump into Joshua chapter 3. What we're going to do is, as we've been having special guys come up and share a word with us, we're going to have a, a small time with Dakota. Come up here, he's going to bless us with a word. And so please, I believe you're going to be blessed. And me too. So family, let's listen up. Let's come focus. Let's come ready. Amen? Dakota. that you would speak to us, that you would minister to our hearts, that we would see the face of Christ here in this text, in our lives. Father, that you would speak to this poor man and just really convey your words. Lord, I pray that you would open up the minds and open up the ears of these people here, that they may grow thereby, Lord, that their roots may be deepened in your word and deepened in their faith in Christ. I pray that they would receive the implanted word which bring forth fruit, Father, and you would just do a mighty work here tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, what brought me to this text was a weekend ago, we were at camp, and I was really just talking to the guys, talking to the guys and just really asking the Lord, what could I teach these kids in a practical manner to where they could take it, like Josh likes to say, gird up their loins and actually become a Christian or, or just really take their walk to the next level in a sense, and just really to see Christ magnified in their life, to be more God-centered, to be more Christ-centered, to be people-centered, and just really display the love of Christ and display the Christian life in which we are called to. So I want to continue, or start in verse 5 and read through 11. 1 Peter chapter 1. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love for if these things are yours and abound you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins therefore brethren be even more diligent to make your call and election sure for if you do these things you will never stumble for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ the thing I want to share with you, you guys tonight, you Christians tonight, was stated in verse 10. Do these things and you will never stumble. If you do these things, you will never stumble. The Word of God tells us that. And it states things. That means there's something prior in the text that we must look at and take a hold of and take grasp of. That if we do them, and if we act upon them, and if we live them out, and if we apply them to our lives, we will never stumble. I guarantee you, and I, I promise you guys that, on the word of the word of God, I, I'm not giving you some vain promise. It's right here in the text. You guys read it as, long, as well as I did. But what are these things? What must I tangibly take in my Christian life, in my Christian walk, that I may never stumble? It starts in verse 5. Peter goes on to say, giving all diligence, add to your faith. So he's talking to believers, they already have faith, they already become Christian, they're already becoming sanctified in a sense, and Peter, or doesn't command them, but commissions them to add to their faith, to diligently add to their faith, to, to in a sense, just really strive to, to work after, to run after, to, to strain it, to lay hold of these things, and virtue can be translated as goodness, or defined as goodness. And we know in Romans 2, 4, it's the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Well, how do I apply goodness to my life? How do I walk in goodness? Could it be showing the goodness of Christ that 
through his goodness working through us people may come to know him is it just doing good and charitable deeds for those around us really looking at if there's someone in need in the crowd and just extending a hand and doing something good for them that they may see the goodness of the Lord in our lives that we may tangibly take hold of it and display the glory of Christ in his goodness that he has given us and it says to goodness to knowledge I don't think it's the knowledge of fearing the Lord because you have to take into consideration they're already Christian and they're already becoming sanctified there's a verse in Hosea 4 6 that says my people perish for the lack of knowledge because they have rejected the law and I don't mean the laws and the Ten Commandments or anything of that nature, but just the knowledge of the Word, the knowledge of knowing where Scripture is when Scripture is needed, knowing when what to say and how to reply in, in, a, in, a, or in a situation in which we don't know how to apply or apply. Um, reply, sorry. But just really knowing the Word of God coming and growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior that we may add knowledge of the word to this goodness that he's shown us and to knowledge self-control we know self-control is one of the fruits of the spirit no doubt that Peter would say if you have self-control you will never stumble because think about our flesh think about how many times you just want to wig out when there's a red light or, or someone cuts you off or even just says something bad about you but if you're bearing the fruits of repentance, as, as Christians should, and I know that we all are here, and, and really just bearing different fruit, but just acting and living in self-control, because it says in uh, Galatians 5.23 that against these things there's, there's no law, there's no limit. So bear as much self-control as you can. Pray for it. Fervently run after it. Strive for it. Plead with the Lord that He would grant you self-control in your walk. There, that you could add it to the knowledge of the word and also walk in the goodness of, of him and, and just Christ. To self-control perseverance. What is perseverance? Perseverance is, is withstanding what this life throws to us, just persevering to make headway, to continue on through and to, to put your head down and be stubborn in the sense of... of I'm going to persevere to the end regardless, no matter what comes my way, no matter if I'm to be martyred, if I'm to be poor in this life, if I'm to be rich or anything, just to persevere for the name of Christ. And in Galatians 3.10, oh not Galatians 3.10, Revelation 3.10, I'm going to flip there really quick. Christ says this to the faithful church. He says, because you have kept my commandment to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on earth. So if we're a stubborn Christian and desiring to be a persevering Christian to obey the commandment of Christ that he obviously commanded the faithful church to do, he's going to save you from the hour of trial that he's going to test the whole world with. So if we persevere here and now that he's going to save us from the future wrath to come. So be a persevering Christian here tonight along with being a knowledgeable Christian in the word and also being a self-controlled Christian in action, word, deed, and, and thought and also being a good Christian just showing the goodness of the Lord that he may lead many to repentance through the work of Christ to perseverance godliness and it's a great thing because in verse 3 of chapter 1 in Second Peter it says as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue it's weird to see that he states reiterates these things and 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 just really has given us all that pertains to life and godliness that if we walk godly if we follow Paul's example as he follows Christ or follow other people's example as they follow Christ that we will become godly we will be sanctified in this life we will see the glory of christ in our lives people will see the love of christ in our face we will shine like moses shone and, and really just display the beauty that lies in christ and also to godliness brotherly kindness <laughs> this one's hard for me personally just being kind and to your brothers not only your physical brother but your brother around you and and the people in the Lord that are dear to you the most, because 
I heard a faithful missionary say, it's easy to love people who you don't really know. It's harder to love people who you really know because you know them so well. I'm, I'm getting some nods in the crowd right Because you, you guys know it as well as I do. I believe Paul would state this, or Peter, forgive me, would state this because think about Christ. He's calling us to do this in Christ because Christ has given us all these things as it was stated in verse 3 in Second Peter. Peter himself hung out with Christ. I mean, he has to because think about all the times that Peter fell short and Christ would still respond to him with brotherly kindness and still reach out his hand in kindness to him and really be a brother to him. He, he even goes on to state, I do not call you uh, slaves anymore, but I call you friends, brothers. He, he always, Jesus always called his disciples brothers even though he knew their shortcomings, their faults, their, their failures and how bad they would end up turning on him and running from him in the end but yet he still showed the brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love oh man everybody knows about love everyone knows about 1 Corinthians 13 abide in these faith, hope and love but the greatest of these is love but I, I don't want to stress on those those topics tonight I really want to focus on verses 8 and 9 because after we read these things after we get the tangible things there's always a fork in the road there's to do it to walk in it or to disobey and that's exactly what verses 8 and 9 talk about but I want to talk about the one that people hardly ever travel or, or people who hear about this and and don't like to discuss. It would be verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten he was cleansed from his old sins. But you can't take verse 9 without going to verse 8. So we're going to go through verse 8 first. Gotcha. It says, For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love it. Peter here puts a condition on it. For if if he's not saying you must he's not saying god is going to make you he's not saying any of that he says if he's leaving it up to us peter is walking with us shows us how we may never stumble he shows us these things that we could tangibly take in our lives virtue knowledge self-control perseverance godliness brotherly kindness and love he, he takes us down this path and then we come to a fork and he says verse eight then he states verse nine but I want to ask you guys tonight, to further your sanctification, what path are you going to take? What path, what path am I going to take? I pray that it would be the path of verse 8, that if these are ours and abound, we will not be barren nor unfruitful. In John 15:5, Jesus states this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Does Peter state this? Does Peter say that because he remembers what Jesus said to him? That if he abides in Christ, if he abides with him and Christ abides in him, he will bear much fruit. So Peter knowing, walking with us tonight and telling us, do these things, do these things in Christ because if Christ is in you and you are in Him you will bear much fruit, you will not be barren nor be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you will not if you take these things, you will not if you apply them you will not be barren or unfruitful but, like I said with, with a great blessing there is a warning for he who lacks these things and these are tangible things that we can see in each other's lives. Anybody can look at me and, and really tell if I'm really kind to my brothers around me. Or they can really tell if I'm loving others around me. Or really tell if I know the word. Or can really tell if, tell if I'm a, a good person or not. Or, or, even, or even just have self-control. You guys could tell it and I could tell it. And I could see it in you guys. So where are we at? What are we doing? 
what path are we on? Where are we walking? Look at your lives tonight. And I don't do this to bum you guys out, but to, to stir you to godly passions that you guys may preach to yourselves, that you guys would really desire to be fruitful, that you would not be barren, that you guys would take these things and really walk in them. Peter goes on in verse 10 to state, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. So if you're continually testing yourself in these areas that Peter states, and diligently making your election sure, if you're diligently doing this, you will never stumble. If you're continually bringing this back by a way of reminders, we know Peter likes to state in 2 Peter, just always reminding yourself, where am I at? What path am I on? Where am I walking? What fruit am I bearing? Am I bearing fruit? And he finishes in verse 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you do these things, if you make your calling and election sure, if you diligently seek after these things, if you diligently add to your faith, these things that Peter tangibly tells us that we can add to our faith through Christ because we know it's in Christ because outside of Christ we can do nothing as we heard Christ say himself if we are in him and he is in us we will bear much fruit don't get me wrong tonight we must do it through Christ and we have to do it through Christ because if we're not in Christ we can't bear fruit because he is the vine and we are the branches so if we do these things and if we bear fruit there will be a door or an entrance supplied to us abundantly. I, I see like this. It's not going to be like a door like that one or a door like that one. It's just going to be huge. I, I think this door, this abundant door is just going to be enormous. But we must do these things. We must strive for these things. And if we're not, please pray, ask the Lord to really put these desires in your heart to really strive and seek after these things. And I beg you guys, if you guys don't see these things in me, tell me, let me know. But, I just want to leave it at that fork in the road. Leave you guys there. I know the path that I'm going to take and I know the path that I'm going to strive to walk on. Am I going to be perfect in it? No. There'll be times where some fruit's lopsided and, and underdeveloped and, and, and green and there's going to be a worm going through it, but there's also going to be the fruit that is just lush, that is really rotten in Christ and really brought and really born through Christ. So I leave you guys with that question. And at the fork in the road, where are you guys going to go? What road are you going to take? Amen? Pray with me. Father, I just... Thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy, for your love. Lord, if there's anyone here who is deciding or just standing and gazing at a road they want to go on, but you don't want them to, Father, that you would soften their heart, that you would melt their heart, Lord, for your word tells us in the last days many hearts will wax cold. Lord, that you would dissolve that heart and put in one of flesh, Please, Lord, give us wisdom and, and knowledge how we should walk, how we should apply this text to our lives, Lord. As there are many different hearts and many different walks here tonight, please speak to them individually. If they are unsure, Father, may they just take it and rest upon it and really, really just strive and really ponder on, on what path they would love to take. But please, God, just keep us in your love and your grace. Speak to Josh. Open our minds and our ears. Give us uh, clarity of thought tonight to really just hear your word and to hear your voice. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The characteristics of a Christian, the fruit we should be bearing within our lives, day in and day out. You know, a lot of times we as Christians, we think that a lot of times we get stale and we're just kind of a tree that just sits there and, and we do like one fruit here and you know we get a little something here and we're talking about fruit of abundance a lot of times we just get caught up same old same old day in and day out there's two kinds of Christians 
There's ones who do and ones who don't. That's it. There's ones who are saved by fire, and there are ones who bear much fruit. It's black and white. There's about 90% of the church that bears very little fruit, and the rest bears all the fruit. It's true. You can see it. There at your church, you know exactly who it is who's stepping out in faith and who is living the example and who bears those characteristics. If you desire to be that person, then be it in the name of Jesus right now. Start. What are you waiting for? May we be this family. I long for that within your life and within mine too. Why? Because I know you're going to be blessed if you do. If you're bearing fruit, it's not a bummer. It doesn't suck. It's a wonderful thing. It's a blessing. We're going to see the fruit of a man named Joshua tonight as we dive into this book. One of my favorite books. Not exactly sure why, but I just love it. Wasn't funny. Dang. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Man doesn't live on bread alone. We live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's not the cereal we eat. It's not the sandwich we take in at lunchtime. It's your word that makes our hearts beat. It's your word that makes us come to life. And I pray that you'd speak to us, that you'd fill us with your spirit as we take in your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Joshua, we're going to mow through quite a bit of scripture here, so get ready, family. Gird up your minds in the name of Jesus and get ready to take in much. You're going to be full at the end of the night. Yes, you will be. It's going to be great, though. If you lay, listen, you Bible teachers, you Bible students, listen, if you're ever going to teach a Bible study or if you're ever going to teach your book, you need to know this. If you lay a good foundation for a book, the book will teach the rest itself. It, it does it itself. You don't even have to try because you know where you're going, you know what it's about. So I'm just going to give um, a little foundation here about the book, okay? The, the author of this book, Joshua, is Joshua. Yeah, that's who it is. Um, early Jewish tradition found in the Talmud states that Joshua wrote a book of his own, which included all the events except for the account of his own death, which they attribute to Eleazar, the son of Aaron. Who's Aaron? It's Moses' brother. Moses' brother is Aaron. Remember, he was the high priest. He died. And now, Eleazar will be the one to write about Joshua's death, and that's Aaron's son. But Joshua is also said to have written, or said that he had written it, or he written the book in Joshua 18 and, and in 24. Thus, good evidence exists to support Joshua being the human author of this book. The date it was written, it's somewhere, be, it's like, 1050, 1045 B.C., okay? The date of the writing of Joshua is difficult to determine with any kind of certainty. Many scholars try to place the writing events during the time of the kings, about 800 years after the time of Joshua. However, conservative scholars generally find a much earlier date for the writings of Joshua based on statements within the book. Jerusalem is still unconquered, we'll see in Joshua 15, verse 63. It would be reasonable to say that Joshua was written sometime between the death of Joshua and the death of Samuel, which is so somewhere there about 1,000 B.C., 1,000 years before Christ. The outline of this book, what we're going to see it, the layout of this book, what we're going to see is chapters 1 through 5. You ready? Three parts. Chapters 1 through 5, we're going to see entering into the land. Which land? The promised land. Okay? Chapters 6 through 12, we're going to see conquering the land. Where they come in, they fight, you see all these battles go down. And then chapters 13 through 24, you're going to see settling in the land. Where they are settling down, they're starting their lives, all these things are happening. So, I have a lot of other information, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to jump right into the book. Are you ready? We're going to start in chapter 1, and I'm going to actually read through three chapters tonight. Yeah, what are, you, are you crazy, John? Yeah, I'm crazy. I'm feeling crazy right now. Okay, so get ready. Go up your minds. Okay. And we're just going to go story-based, and I'm going to stop at a few different places, but I want you to read along, okay? I want you to stay focused, and I want your mind to be reading as I read. And I want you to understand what you're reading. Don't allow your mind to just wander out. You know, it's, it's easy. If you don't have a Bible, you can just listen. Just listen closely. I'll try to translate the King James for you as I read it. The book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, So what happened? Moses died. 
And who's to take his place? Well, this number two man, this guy that's following him, his name is Joshua, son of Nun. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. This is the Lord speaking. Now therefore, he's speaking to Joshua, Arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, unto the land which I have given to you, and even to the children of Israel. Verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot tread upon, I have given unto you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness, this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down to the sun that shall be your coast. I'm going to stop there real quick. i got something to show you. You ready? I printed this out. And you probably can't even, maybe you'll be able to see it. Maybe you won't be. But this here, okay, here is the Mediterranean Sea. I don't know if you can see this. I know it's very small. Okay, the big blue part, that's the Mediterranean Sea, all right? <laughs> now, Israel is right here. It's this small section where my finger is pointing. Those of you who wear glasses, sorry. Uh, it's, it's, it's right here, okay? Now, up here, we have Syria, we have Iraq, we have Saudi Arabia, and we have Jordan. Here is Egypt down here, Mediterranean Sea, okay? Now, what I want to show you here, here's a bigger layout. You're like, what is all that? Okay. Well, here again, the Mediterranean Sea over here, okay? Can you guys see that all right? Mediterranean Sea. Here is Syria, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Egypt. And here is Israel, right here, this little piece, okay? Now, God just stated there in Joshua chapter 1, there in those couple verses, that they have from the Mediterranean Sea all the way to Lebanon, here's the top, Lebanon, all the way to the Euphrates River, and then down, um, what was the bottom there? I think he states, in the south he states the Negev Desert, which is the literal translation, but I can't remember. Anyways. It's down here to this bottom, okay? This is a huge piece of land. This map does not do it justice. This is a massive piece of land. What God, this is what God has promised to them, this, these borders. This is how much Israel has right now. This is how big Israel is. And the most that they took was just barely a little bit more than this when David was reigning, when King David was reigning. God promised them all of this land. They could have every single bit of it. He said this to them. Did you hear? He said, any place that you place your foot, I will give it to you. I still believe to this day. If they went and tried to conquer Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, and Saudi Arabia, they would take it all. Because why? God has promised it to them. And even in that day and age, when Joshua went and started fighting and attacking and taking these people, they were taking it. They just took everything. Because God has promised this land to them. He promised it to their forefathers back in Abraham's time. And I believe it still is theirs. But the problem is they are not obedient unto the Lord. And family, that's a testimony for us real quick. Listen up. God has promised you more land than you can ever imagine in your life. More blessings, more fruit, more amazing places that He wants to take you and do in your life. But very few of us will take all that land. There will be only a few. There will be many who only take this small part of Israel. This small little inch to what... He has, he has this much for you. He has this much for you. And you take this much. I think the most amount of land they had, I think I said it a couple weeks ago, forgive me if this is wrong, 30,000 square feet is what they took in David's time. You know how much was promised to them? 300,000 square feet. 300,000 square miles. Sorry. Thank you, Dave. He did the miles thing like with his mouth. He's like, so I'm like, yeah, miles, miles. 300,000 miles, square miles. They only took one-tenth of what God had promised to them. And many times, you see many Christians in the church to this day and age are only taking one-tenth of what God has got for them in their lives. You want to know why? Because they're not diligent. Because they don't want to be faithful. Because they choose the world over serving the King. Let's get real, family. How much time do we spend with God? How much time of our day is dedicated unto Him? A tenth? And this is why we receive only a tenth of what He has for us. He has so much more for you, and me too. I can't believe where He's taken me and what He's done in my life. I'm not saying I got it together, family. I got problems just like you. I deal with things in life. But we have a God who cares, who wants to work in our lives, and He wants to give you all that land. He wants to give you blessings upon blessings that you could never imagine. He wants to use you in ways you can't even think of. Is there someone here tonight that will take this mic? Who will take this Bible study when I leave? 
Who will stand up and minister to these people? Are you called to minister? Are you called to lay the hands on people? Are you called to lead a prayer group? Are you called to work there at the church as being an, an usher? Or, or doing the parking lot ministry, just greeting people, meeting people? What, what are you called to? Then step out. What are you waiting for? The land is yours. You can have any place you put your foot. Well, I'm scared. The same as Israel. And they miss out on the blessings that God has for them. Don't miss out. He's got much for you. Amen? Let's move on. Verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Did you hear that? All the days of Israel, no man will be able to stand before you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you, and I will not forsake you. Did you hear that? Those are promises that we can take. God will not fail you, and He will not forsake you all the days of your life. Why is this happening in my life? I don't know. But God said He will not fail you, and He will not forsake you. He doesn't know how. He's working it out for good. My life story? Man, my mom died when I was eight. Single father raised three boys. 30 grand or less a year. It's chump change. I, we ate a lot of top ramen. That's all I know. When I turned 18, we lost the house and we lost the family car. We lost everything. We lived in a hotel down the street for like three weeks. And I've been on my own ever since then. And God's done a great work in my life. I can't believe where I'm at and where I've been and what God's done. He will never fail me. He will never forsake me. Even if I forsake Him, even if you've forsaken Him in your life, he will not forsake you. What a gracious king, huh? Is there anybody on this earth that treats you that way? You forsake them, you smack them in the face, you cheat on them, you run from them. They'll forgive you, they won't forsake you. You're right. Kick you out of the house. Don't ever come back, don't ever talk to me again. But our king, our God, the gracious God, the loving God, the compassionate, the just, the righteous, he will never forsake you, he will never leave you. He will always fight for you. So verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people you shall divide and inheritance the land, which I swear unto your fathers to give to them. Only be you strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Turn not from it, not to the right hand or to the left, that thou may prosper wherever you go. Did you hear that? If you follow the law, you will prosper, bottom line. If you follow the word of God and you keep its commands, you will prosper all the days of your life. What a great promise. I know, Josh Thompson, me. If I will follow my king this day, and then tomorrow, Wednesday, if I follow him and seek his face, and then Thursday, if I follow him and seek his face, and Friday, if I follow and seek his face, and I keep doing that for a year, I will prosper in all of those days, every single one. If I do that for the next 10 years, I will be prosperous and I will not lose. Will problems come? Yes, but I will a king who will deliver me all of my days and I cannot fail, you see? I cannot lose. I'll be on the winning team all the days of my life. But if I forsake my God, if I turn to the right or the left, you're looking for destruction. Get ready for the bottom to fall out and you've experienced it and me too. You know what it's like. We run from our God, we turn to the right or the left, we run from His commands. The commands are not to steal our fun. God made fun, don't you understand? He knows the best way to it. He has created barriers around us so we don't burn our hands, so we don't touch the stove, so we don't fall into the fire. He's trying to help you, He's trying to save you. It's like a father tells his son, Son, I don't want you to go to the party. Well, why? That's where all my friends are at. Son, you don't understand. You're going to go there and get messed up. You're going to fall into this and that. Yeah, but I want to go. Setting up barriers. He's trying to save us from destruction. And God is trying to save you. Don't turn to the right or the left. Stay focused. Follow your God. Don't forsake Him. You will prosper all the days of your life. Let's move on. It says, verse 8, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. You, sh you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make the way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Again, he says, meditate on it day and night. You know what that word meditate means? It's the picture of a chow, uh, a chow, <laughs> a cow <laughs> chewing grass. It's a picture of a cow having some chow, okay? It's a, he's chewing grass. He's munching on it. You know, they have like, I don't know how many stomachs, but they, yeah, they, they 
They swallow it and they throw it back up, chew on it some more, swallow it, throw it back up, chew it some more. It's the same with the Word of God. May you swallow it, may you absorb it, may you bring it back to your mind, chew on it some more, continue steadfastly in the Word, meditate on it day and night. If you meditate on the Word of God, will you fail? If you meditate on the Word of God, can you lose? Gosh, no. You can only win, but there are very few who do it in this day. And there are very few who seek the face of God to get wisdom from this book. Many know it very well. There are professors on this earth that know the Word better than we do. But guess what? We have the Spirit of God living within us. And that is what ministers unto you. Meditate on it day and night. Verse 9. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither you be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee. Wherever you go. Oh, I love that. Did you hear that? He's with you wherever you go. Wherever. If you go to the other side of the world, He is with you. Doesn't matter. He is with you at all times. It's a positive and a negative. Positive because, hey, you don't have anything to fear. You don't ever have to be scared. Negative because, hey, when you've sinned, when you've messed up, He is there. He is watching. He is close to you. Walk with your God. Be close to Him. He is there by your side. Verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host. Command the people, saying, Prepare your victors, victuals. For within three days you shall pass over the Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. So guess what? He tells the armies, Hey, everybody, get up. Gird up your minds. Get ready. We're about to go to battle. In three days we will cross the Jordan. We will be in the promised land. Ready to fight. Verse 12. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, spoke Joshua, saying, Remember the word that, that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest, has given you this land. Your wives and your little ones and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave to you on this side of Jordan. But you shall pass before the armed. And all the mighty men of valor, help them until the Lord given your brethren rest. And he, I'm sorry, and he has given you, and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God given, give them. Then you shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you this side of the Jordan toward the sunrising. Verse 16, and they answered Joshua saying, all that thou commandest we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go according. As we hearken unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto you. Only the Lord thy God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever he be, that do rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words, and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. So the people tell Joshua, listen up, hey, we're ready. We believe in you. We will follow you. Just as Moses was with you, I mean, just as Moses was with us, and we were with him, we will be with you. We will follow you in that way. They tell him, be strong and courageous. They say, if anybody in the camp doesn't listen to you, we'll put him to death. Straight up, they were following this man. Watch what happens. The story of the spies in Rahab. Great story. I'm just going to read through it. I try to just, yeah, you know me. Chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out Shittim, two, two men to spy, secretly saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house or a prostitute named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men hither into the night, the children of Israel, to search out the country. Uh-oh. So what happens? Joshua sends two spies into a prostitute, I mean, they go into the city, and they find this prostitute named Rahab, and she takes them in, she hides them, and then some men see them hiding, or saw them come in, and they run to the man in command, the governor there, or the lead man of Jericho, and they tell on them, the king, they tell them, they tell the king, hey, two guys came in from the children of Israel to search out the country, better go search them out. And so, verse 3, And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men, and come unto thee, which are entered unto the house, for they be come in to search out all the country. 
So he sends to, he's, he sends the men to the house, to Rahab's house, like, listen up, bring the men out, we want to talk to them, for they've come to spy on us. Verse 4, And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said, There came men unto me, but I wist them not that they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting the gate, when it was dark, the men went out. Whether the men went, I, I don't know. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. So she tells the guys, like, listen up, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. Hey, they came to me, but I didn't let them in. And they went out the gate right as it closed. And they went into the night, so go search after them. You'll find them, these two spies. But verse 6, she had brought them up into the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them way to Jordan until the fords. And as soon as they which pursue after them were gone, they shut the gate. Verse 8, And before they were laid down, she came up to them upon the roof. She said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings, the Amorites, that were on the, on the other side of the Jordan, Sire and Og, whom were utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Love the King James. So graphic. Neither did there remain... I'm sorry. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, Swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brother and my sister, and all that have, and deliver our lives from death. So what happens? Remember? Two spies come in. The guards go and tell the king. The king goes to this prostitute's house and is like, look, where are the guys? She's like, I don't know where they went. They went out the gate. So the men go and try to pursue them out of the gate. They don't find them. The men are hiding there on the roof of her house. She, come up to, she comes up to them there in the middle of the night, right before they're about to go to sleep, and she's like, listen, please. We know that God is with you. We've seen you be delivered. We, we, we've heard the stories about the Red Sea party. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? What if somebody was down at the river? I don't know. Down at the river, you know, there's boats everywhere, everybody's partying, this and that. Some guy steps in the water. You know, all of a sudden, you know, the waters go back. It's like, what? And all the people just partying and being wicked and all this stuff. And they're just like, they're the ones mocking and mocking God and all these kind of things. And all of a sudden, man, this fire just comes down and consumes them all. Something crazy goes down. And there the, the water parts and, and, and just some crazy miracles go down. Can you imagine the talk that would be happening? I mean, how it would be in the news and how we read it in the paper and how everybody would hear about this. Same thing happened in that day age. It's like, listen, man, we heard about the Red Sea being parted and we heard how you guys wiped out those kings. And guess what? We're scared. Our hearts melted, King James Version says. I just love that picture. But she says this to him, please, I know God's with you guys. Please remember us. Remember my family that I took you in and that I, that I hid you from the enemy. And, and, and when, when you guys come in and you take over this city, don't kill us, please. Let us live. And watch what they say to her. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if you utter not this our business. I love that. And if shall be, if it shall be, when the Lord has given us the land, then we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a cord through the window. For her house was upon the tall wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you into the mountain, lest they pursue and meet you. And hide yourself therein three days until the pursuers return, and afterward you may go away. So what happens? He's like, you got a deal. We'll protect you when we come to the city if you don't talk and you don't tell what's happening. She lets them out through a cord out of her window, because she's in the city wall. She tells them to go and hide in the mountains for three days after the people, the men are, are tired chasing after them, trying to find them, and then go home. And so watch what happens. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this, thine oath which thou hast made, made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, 
You shall bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And you shall bring thy father and your mother and your brethren and all your father's house home into thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go into the doors of thy house, into the, sea, into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. And we will be guiltless. And whoever shall be with thee in the house, the blood shall be upon our head. And if any hand be upon him, and if him, verse 20, thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath that you have made with us, or you have sworn with us. And she said, According to all your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. And they went and came into the mountain, and abode there three days, and to the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So, I know this is getting long. Listen, gird up your minds, stay with me. So she says, Displease, remember me. And they say this, Guess okay, what you need to do? You tie a scarlet, you tie a scarlet, this, this rope that you've let us down and you tie this in your window, you lay it there. You guys know the story, those of you who are in Bible school. You know, it's like, let the rope hang down from the window and anybody who's in your house, they'll be safe. But if they are not in your house, then, hey, blood's not on our hands because everybody in the city is going to be taken out. And so, they, they agree to it. And she tells them to go and hide and they run home. And so, verse 20 says, So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told them all the things that befell them. And they said unto him, Truly the Lord has delivered into our hands all the land, for even the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Wow. They go back to Joshua. They say, Listen up, man. General, you got it. The people are so scared of us. We're going to own this thing. We're going to walk in and just take over the whole city very quickly. Only 17 verses in chapter 3. Come on, let's do this quick. Verse three, chapter 3. And Joshua rose early in the morning. Oh, oh, I love that. And they returned from Shittim and came to Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass, after three days, that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. So what does that mean? He tells everybody, get ready. Line them up. Let's go. When you see the ark pass by with the Levites carrying the ark on their shoulder, the ark of the covenant, remember? It's a big box, a big golden box with two giant cherubims on top of it. And inside of it is the, is the, the Ten Commandments, manna, and Aaron's rod, which budded almonds. That's what's sitting here in the Ark of the Covenant. They are carrying it on their shoulders. Only the Levites are to touch it. So he says, hey, when this Ark of the Covenant starts to pass by, so right now, the Ark of the Covenant randomly started to pass by, then we would start following. Okay, well, that's, that's what would happen. It's simple, it's easy to understand. Verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, Come not near to it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. So it's like, listen up, you better keep a space between it. That's, that is the kabod, the glory of God dwells upon that mercy seat, dwells upon or in this thing. And you've seen it before. You see it in David's day, remember? It's on a cart, the Ark of the Covenant, and they're bringing it back from the Philistines. Remember it hits a rock or something like that and it starts to shake? And all of a sudden, one of the guys tried to hold up his hand to, to stop the Ark of the Covenant from falling over. Because it's about to fall over, and guess what? Boom! It's dead. Another time, they try to open up the Ark of the Covenant to see what's inside. Like 50,000 people drop dead on the spot. It's like, you don't mess with the glory of God, bottom line. I mean, it's an example set. It's like, man, why would God be so cool to do that? Well, number one, um, I think it might have to do with uh, either a lot of people not, not being believers... Hey, God can do with the wicked whatever He wants. If they don't know Him, the wrath of God can pour upon them. He will never pour His wrath on His children. But secondly, God can make an example for all to see how serious, how dead serious He is about His glory and about His holiness. No man is to mess with that. So here's the Ark of the Covenant. They tell Him to keep a distance when this thing passes by. And verse 5, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Oh, sanctify yourselves. How do we do that? Dakota just shared with us how we can continue in our sanctification, bearing fruit, pursuing Christ. And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass over before the people, 
and they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Verse 7, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day I will begin to magnify thee. Did you hear that? The Lord speaking to Joshua. Listen to what he says. This day I will begin to magnify you in the sight of Israel, and they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you are coming to the brink of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. So what's he saying? Number one, listen up, Joshua, the Lord speaking to him. I am going to show the people that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And number two, tell the priests. They got, remember, they got the ark in the back. When they step into the Jordan River, just to stand there in the water. Now this is awesome. God is about to show his amazing wonders and crazy stuff go down and show the people that Joshua is of God. And I don't know if you remember back in Exodus chapter 33, I think it's verse 11 there. It's, those of you who are camp, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who weren't, listen up. There's this thing, this tent of meetings. Listen. Tent of meetings that was set up outside the camp. Outside the camp of Israel. Listen. This tent of meetings was the place where people would go and spend time with God. So it'd be like this. If I set up a tent over there at Alberto's, Okay. And that's the place, in those day and age, that's the place where the glory of God dwelt. Because <laughs> there's guacamole over there, that's why. Alright, that wasn't funny. The glory of God, the kabod, it dwells in the tent over there. And Moses would go in there all the time and spend time with God. In one instance, there in, in Exodus 33, we see Moses going and he's spending time with God, but guess who follows in after him? Joshua. And he follows in after Moses, and, and it's a small place, a small tent, and anybody who wanted to spend time with God, that's where they would go. Small tent, because not that many people want to spend time with God. How could three million fit in there? Well, three million don't want to spend time with God. Only a few, only a few. Moses and Joshua go in there. And Moses goes in there, and he's spending time with the Father. And then guess what? Moses walks out, and he leaves the tent, and guess who's still in there? It says that Joshua stayed in the tent after Moses left. I love that. He was there on his face. He there. He wanted to stay in the presence of God. He wanted to get an extra dose. And that is why he is chosen to be the man to take on. And that is why he is the one that Moses will pass the baton to or already has. And that God will reveal his glory to him. And listen, family. You wonder, I want God to use me. I want the Lord to do work in my life. Then get on your face and get in that tent. You spend time with your God and you watch how he'll use you. You watch how he will magnify himself in you. He says it right there in that verse. Joshua, this day I will magnify you amongst the people, and they will see that I am with you as I was with Moses. I want people to see me as if God was with me in the same way that he was with Moses. Maybe you're saying that. That you need to figure out what to do. You need to get on your face. You need to be a man of God. You need to be a woman of God that seeks him daily. You know the secret, family. I've said it to you many times. Spending time with your God by yourself. You want to know why? Because you don't get any brownie points from anybody but God. Nobody sees it and nobody knows. That's just between you and your king. I need to build a relationship with God by myself and you have to too. I wish I could do it for you. I wish I could help you, but I can't. All I can do is encourage you. All I can do is speak to you. You have to step out and do it yourself. Moses exhorted the people three million daily to spend time with their God, and there was only a few who would go into that tent. Statistics would tell me that only a few will go into that tent tonight, that only a few will go into that tent tomorrow morning, but I hope that those are wrong. I hope that we, family, would go and spend time with our God by ourselves, that we would get to know Him so He can do great wonders and amazing things through us and other people's lives. Let's close this up. Watch what happens. Remember Joshua tells the priests, stand there in the Jordan and watch what happens. Verse 9, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come here, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you, that he will, he will without fall drive out before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and all these ites. In verse 11, Behold, the, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passed before you into Jordan. Now therefore, Take you twelve men from out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man, 
Verse 13. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet, listen, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, that the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. It's saying the waters are going to pile up, that the water is going to stop as soon as the priest's feet touch the water. And verse 14, And it came to pass when the people removed their tents to pass over the Jordan, the priests bearing the ark, the covenant before the people, and as they bear the ark, were coming to Jordan. The feet of the priests bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water. For the Jordan overflowed with its banks all the time of harvest. And the waters which came down from above stood and rose upon the heap very large from the city of Adam that is beside uh, Zeratan. And those that came plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over the dry ground until all the people were passed clean over the Jordan. Did you see that? This is what happens. Remember, the Ark's passing by. Okay, everybody, let's follow the Ark. Remember, we got to stay at a distance. What happens? The priests put their feet. They got the Ark on their back. They put their feet in the water. As soon as they put their feet in the water, the water starts to stop and starts to back up. All the way back from the city of Adam, the water supply is cut off, and it starts to just build upon itself until there's dry ground. And the priests stand in the center of the Jordan River until all the people pass through to the other side into the Promised Land. An amazing story. And I bet you right after that, the people are like, oh, snap. This guy Joshua, just like Moses, I remember the Red Sea, and I remember walking on dry ground. The Lord just did the same thing. Maybe there's kids there that have heard about the stories of the Red Sea. They heard Papa tell them many times, you'll never believe it. We walked on dry ground. Stay with me. Stay with me. There are many who walked on dry ground that day, the Red Sea. Like, what? That's crazy. But then all of a sudden, they see it with their own eyes. The Jordan starts to part. They're seeing it with their own eyes. The water's backing up and they're moving through like, I can't believe this. Just as it was spoken about the Red Sea, so it is happening now. We were walking into the promised land. I want to read you a quote. I'm going to close with this. Some of John Corson said, I loved it. I loved his commentary. Listen to this. John 10.10. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. You know the scripture. You know it well. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Listen. We who have been born again have life, right? We have been born again. You have life. You have eternal life. But the real question is, do you have life in that abundantly? It's wonderful and important to be saved, but there is more to the life of faith than just simply being saved. For as He did with His people, God not only takes us out of Egypt, with a, which is a picture of the world, but He desires to bring us to the promised land. Did you hear that? Listen up. Yes, He has delivered you from Egypt. Yes, He has delivered you from the world. But listen. He desires to bring you into the promised land. He desires to give you life in that abundantly every single day of your life. You know what happens? A lot of times people get saved, you know what? And they're just wondering why they're not experiencing this life in that abundantly. It's because we're not abiding in Christ. And secondly, maybe there are some, there's a possibility that some have come to the knowledge and the saving grace of Christ, but they have not been filled with the Spirit. What are you talking about, Josh? I'm talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit where you walk in the Spirit daily and you walk with your God and you get to know Him, you build a relationship with Him. So you know what? I'm going to say this tonight. If there are some of you who need that and you want me to pray over you, you want somebody to pray for you, then I'm going to do that tonight after, right after this. That if there are some who are saying, I'm not experiencing this life in that abundantly that you speak about, then I want to pray that over you. Because God not only desires to take you out of Egypt, out of the world, and save you and give you heaven, but then to give you life in that abundantly every single day of your life where you walk with Him daily and you experience this unbelievable joy. And I'm telling you, I love this life. I could live this life for another 120, 130 years, you name it. Because I walk with my King. It's the same as walking with my God in heaven. Hey, heaven or earth, it doesn't matter. I'm satisfied. I'm here with my King. I'm going to experience God all the days of my life, and that's okay. Hey, if you don't have God, I don't know how you go through this life. There is no answer. 
booze is the answer and all the above. But if you have the king, what else do you need? You walk with him, you spend time with him, you get to know your God. Amen? I want you guys to have life more abundantly. I want you to experience that joy all day, every day of your life. Let me pray. Father, you're a great God. There is none like you. You deserve to be lifted up and praised forever. And I ask that you would minister to your people tonight. That, Lord, if there are some here who do not and are not experiencing life in that abundantly, Lord, there are some who have come to know you and they receive the Holy Spirit right there and every day has been joyful, but there are some who have come to know you and maybe it's just been hard work and it's just been a pain and it's just been hard living this Christian life. I just ask, Lord, if there are some here like that, they would be filled with your Spirit tonight, that they experience you, God, and that we would lay hands on them and that you would come inside them and you would live in them. They would walk with you from this moment forward, knowing you and experiencing you daily. Have your hand upon these people. Thank you, God, that you are God who cares for us and wants to do a work in our lives. Minister to your people. Let us live for you. Let us enter into the promised land daily and experience that, that milk and honey that you speak of, that fresh, exciting walk with you. And God, I pray for those who are even filled with the Spirit, God, who know you and walk with you daily, that they would be taken to greater levels in their walks. And if that's you, say yea and amen to your king right now and they're in your heart. Say, I want to be that. I want to know that. I want to experience that. I want to step forward in my ministry. I want to step forward in my walk. I want to step forward in the things of God. I want to pursue Him more and be the man or woman He's called me to be. You be that person in Jesus' name. Father, thank You for hearing this prayer. Bless Your people in Your name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Experience life in that abundantly in the name of Jesus. Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you next week.